Hello, and welcome to this episode of Leukemia Chatters. My name's Charlotte, I'm Patient Advocacy Manager here at Leukemia Care. So this month, you'll notice something different if you're a regular listener. I've been feeling a little under the weather, so our usually behind-the-scenes producer of the pod, Justin, has taken the reins. This September is Blood Cancer Awareness Month, and as such, Leukemia Care are running our Spot Leukemia campaign. As part of this, we're raising awareness of the signs and symptoms of leukemia and what the public should be looking out for. But this September also marks four years since Magella was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia in September 2018. I'm joined today by Magella and we're going to chat through all things diagnosis, be that the symptoms she experienced before diagnosis, the chain of events that led up to getting this news and the impact of this out of the blue news on both herself and her family. Magella, thank you so much for joining me today. I feel it's only appropriate to start things off at the beginning. How did things start for you? Talk me through it. When I think back now and reflect on 2018, the early part of the year, everything seemed fine. And I think it was probably around July time, I started to, my appetite started to really change. I always enjoyed food, but now it was just making me feel like a little bit nauseous and I didn't eat as much as I used to do. And then at, at that time, maybe a few weeks later, then I started to notice I was having that same feeling when I would have um, another glass of wine or any, any alcoholic drink. Uh, it just didn't really feel right to me. I was never a, a very active person, but I did make efforts, I suppose, to in- increase exercise into my life. So part of my strategy was um, I worked in Birmingham City Centre, was to park a little bit out of out of Birmingham and walk in. And this felt quite good initially. But then by, I think, the end of August, early September, it was becoming more difficult. I just felt I was out of breath. And you put it down to normal things, your age, your lifestyle, just being tired, work was always pressured. Um, so I kept putting it off, doing anything about it. But then I decided to go to my GP, who, you know, I rarely see a GP because I, I had been healthy before this. And my GP was very reassuring and, you know, went through all the questions and checked me out and said she didn't think it was anything serious. But she said to be on the safe side, because I mentioned maybe vitamin D deficiency. She said we would do she would do a blood test. So she gave me an appointment to go and have my blood test. And because life was so busy, I did delay it for about a week before I went. And I think what forced me into going was it was on a Friday. I remember it really clearly. And I got into Birmingham to go to work. And I sat in the car thinking, oh, how am I going to do this walk? It was only about a mile, but it just felt like 100 miles. And I called my boss on the phone and I said, I am in Birmingham. I'm just going to take a casual walk in because I'm not feeling 100%. And I said, and then I'm going to leave early because I want to go and have my blood test. He knew about it. So that was fine. I left work about two o'clock and went and had my blood test. And then... I was just getting ready for bed on the Friday night at about 10, half 10. And I had a call on my mobile and it was from the the blood lab um, to tell me to go immediately to hospital. Um, and that 
it was obviously quite traumatic at the time because I was thinking, oh, you know, because that person wouldn't be able to tell me much information, but just to be told you have to go to hospital like now, don't wait till the morning. If you're on your own, we'll send an ambulance. So it was quite a shock, really. So I said to my husband, you know, this is what they've told me and uh, I need to go. So it was about 11 o'clock when we arrived at the hospital. And we thought we were triaged and they weren't overly concerned. They looked at whatever was on the blood test and said, yeah, there's a few little things that maybe are not 100 percent, but there's nothing that would really lead us to kind of, you know, do something urgently. But said you'll have to see a doctor anyway. So we sat there from about 11 o'clock until five o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. And my husband had to go to work at six. So at five, he had to leave. And uh, we were both exhausted at that stage. Never mind the worry of everything, but just having to sit in A&E for that long was quite horrible. So I saw a um, a doctor been at the hospital. He came to see me, saw me, and again he had checked my bloods from the, from the lab, and he said, "Yeah, there's a few of them, you know, not quite right, but I don't think it's anything important. I think you know you might have an infection or something. We'll send you home." And then he said, "Before I send you home, I'm just going to go and check with some of my colleagues." So he went off, left me there, and then came back about twenty minutes later and said, we're going to admit you straight away. So from then I was, I went up onto the oncology ward and remained there for nearly five weeks. So I was admitted to the ward on the Saturday and I met with uh, one of the oncologists probably that afternoon, Saturday afternoon. And she said to me, from your blood readings, we think you have leukemia. And, you know, it probably didn't even really register at that stage what she was saying. But I kind of took a really pragmatic approach. And I just said, well, when will you know for sure? And she said, we will do a bone marrow. Ask right and see what that shows us. So that was on Saturday. And then they moved me into a award on my own which like felt really privileged at the time I'm like oh yeah <laughs> I've got my own room <laughs> um, and I wasn't feeling particularly sick I was feeling really really tired and then on the Sunday not much happened but on the Monday they did the bone marrow test in probably late morning and then at about seven o'clock in the evening the oncologist came in and she said yeah we've confirmed it's it's AML. At that stage I didn't even know what AML was. I only heard of leukemia. I didn't know there were different types of leukemia. Of course. I thought it was just a you know one term that covered every you know everything. I was a bit confused I suppose at that stage. No of course and obviously at this stage you'd been asked to come into hospital quite urgently and it sounds like they moved you to oncology as well with a a degree of speed so on your end of things were you starting to put any of these pieces together did you think something more serious was afoot 
I mean, as I say, when I, they put me in that room on my own, I was kind of thinking, oh, this is great. I'm getting really, you know, first class services. And then in the morning when I, because they started me on antibiotics that night as well. So when I woke up in the morning in that room, I felt brilliant. I felt really, really good. And the next thing I heard on this speaker on the door, would you like some breakfast? And I was kind of thinking, why don't she come in and ask me? <laughs> why is she doing it through a speaker on the door? Didn't click. There was this big contraption in there. I didn't know what it was. And I found out later when they brought my breakfast, they shoved the breakfast in. And then she said to me, take it out on the other side. And I was like, I don't even know how to open this thing. Like it just looked like a like a huge microwave. <laughs> Two doors, one on this side and one on the far side. So I ate the breakfast. I had ordered a full breakfast and I ate everything. I was really feeling great. So when the doctor came to see me later and, she, you know, they always ask how you feel. And I said, great, I've ate my whole breakfast. I said, I think you have it wrong. I said, because I feel really, really good this morning. <laughs> this is the best I've felt for ages. And she said, that's because we started you on antibiotics and it's probably clearing up infections you didn't even know you had. Wow. So you had these infections that you didn't even realise. Speaking about the symptoms you were, you were experiencing that summer, there's probably a good point now to, to jump back and to double down on kind of what you touched on already. Obviously, with spot leukaemia, talking about the symptoms and the day-to-day -day lived experience that you, you had with them and the impact on your life that these symptoms had. For you, it sounds like the first one that was really noticeable was this nauseous feeling that came to be associated with food and drink. How abnormal was this for you? And what was going through your head at that point when this started to persist? To be honest, I wasn't taking it really seriously. I was kind of taking it. I remember going out for lunch with my friends one day and, and not eating it and saying to them, I, I just don't feel able to eat all of this and I was kind of taking it out this might be a good thing I might lose some weight so I wasn't really taking it serious even the thing around alcohol people would joke at me in work and, and say oh that's not like you you know not to have a drink at the weekend but it was just even even the thoughts of it was making me feel sick to have alcohol so I wasn't really bothered because I, I wasn't a big drinker you know if I could take or leave a drink if I had one, I wanted to enjoy it though, but this, this I wasn't enjoying it. It was just like, it wasn't the taste was funny. Taste was the same, but it was just, it felt nearly like something mental inside of me was saying, don't drink this. No, of course. And what a challenging summer that must have been for you with these changing sensations and tastes and feelings that were associated with food and drink for you then. What are you planning to achieve this year? Does it include free-falling from 15,000 feet? Maybe flying on a zip wire is more your thing. Join Team LC this year, raising vital funds, as well as your pulse rate. We'll support you all the way in raising the money. The question is, are you brave enough to take on the challenge? Simply search online for Leukemia Care Zipwire or Leukemia Care Skydive to find out more. Yeah, from around July, maybe, maybe middle to late July, I started. So it wasn't a long time obviously that persisted through the course of that summer and then next symptom that kind of really reared its head yeah. for you was this breathlessness and this fatigue that you experienced most notably on the walk to work 
talk me through that kind of what were you thinking what were you feeling about that yeah because i i mostly enjoyed my walks into walking out you know it made me feel good because i was making an effort i was doing something was building it into everyday life so i didn't have to make an extra effort to go to a gym or something which i had done in the past and i remember getting ready for september because I'd been on holiday in August, uh, I got a Lake District. And when I came back, I remember thinking, I've got my, my kind of winter coat, my winter shoes, so I'm ready for this walk every morning. But once I started doing it, then early September, the first week in September, just felt really hard. And I kind of put it down to, you know, a couple of weeks off, trying to get back into the swing of things. It's just, you know, facing into the autumn and, you know, I just put it down to all them kind of things, nothing really serious. But then week by week, it just it just kept getting worse and it was harder and harder to do. And some days I'd have to stop halfway there and catch my breath and then try and push through on the rest of it. But I didn't I didn't really at any stage at that time think it was anything serious. I found the webinars really interesting, again, because I think of the lack of information you're given during treatment. And if you are given information, often at the time, it just it's just in one ear, out the other. So at the time, I think I didn't really take in a lot of the information and my husband did. And so after treatment, I actually went back to your YouTube channel and watched a lot of your webinars. Most recently, there was one on acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which I found really useful. Leukemia Care's informational webinars are about the topics that matter to you, whether that be the current news in COVID, the latest developments in treatment, and much more. You can hear from patients and healthcare professionals alike, providing insight on all things leukemia. Watching it live even lets you post questions directly to those panels. Find out when our next webinar is scheduled by heading on over to our social media or our website, or to watch those you've already missed, check out our YouTube channel. And from what you mentioned earlier, it sounds like this symptom was the tipping point for what drove you towards the GP. So it must have rung some alarm bells for you, must have been. What were you thinking? Was this just so abnormal for you at this point? Yeah, I, I honestly was thinking because I have had vitamin D deficiency before. I think most most people in, you know, this part of the world can, can have something of going into the winter. You know, and it was something I had a habit of doing anyway. I was to take vitamin D, so so I thought, well, I'll just I'll just go and ask the GP about it. It wasn't. I, I honestly didn't think at any stage it was anything serious. And then when I went to the GP, she kind of reassured me that it's nothing serious. So I that's why I didn't rush the blood test. It took me over a week to go and get the blood test. And it sounds like for you, over the course of this week these symptoms you're experiencing, be it the, the breathlessness or the fatigue, they escalated quite quickly yeah. over the course of these seven days. Absolutely. Within that short 10 days, it felt it felt like, yeah, things had got really worse. But the, the thing was, so I do that walk into walk, but then when I got into walk, I was okay because most of my work is sitting down on a laptop talking to people, so it's not physical. So then I kind of pushed it out of my mind. But because I'd made the decision to go and have the blood test that afternoon, I, I stuck to it and went and had it done. But going for it, didn't think this is going to come back as anything 
major. I probably won't even get the results for a few weeks. So I wasn't at all thinking anything negative. Sure, you had the blood test and it sounds like over the course of that following 24 hours, things accelerated quite dramatically for you there. And when you received that phone call asking you to come into the hospital, what was going through your head then? What were you thinking? I think that was my first real, real, real realisation that something was very wrong. And strangely enough, when I was getting into the car with my husband, I said to him, I think it's leukaemia. And he said, don't be stupid, because he, he always said to me, you always think the worst. And I said, no, it's not thinking the worst, but what else could it be? And even now we still say that. And he said, you, you know, you said it getting into the car, it's leukemia. And he was like, no, 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 no. Sure. But what brought you to that conclusion? I don't even really know. I'm, I mean, I think back sometimes over my childhood of. I knew somebody who had leukemia when they when they were very young and they died from leukemia as a child. That's the only reason I, I can think that it came into my head. It wasn't because I understood the symptoms or I even knew what they were. And I'm not even sure I had all the classic symptoms. I didn't have bruising. I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't overly tired. I was struggling with some elements of what I was doing. No, of course. And the antibiotics clearly had quite, a, quite an impact on your well-being and your, at, at that point. So... So you must have had some unknown infections to you that were cleared up. Yeah. But you're very right as well. Um, didn't experience all of the most common symptoms of leukemia. During spot leukemia, here at Leukemia Care, we talk about six major symptoms. Obviously, you think you've had these infections and you had the fatigue and the breathlessness that you were experiencing on, on a day-to-day basis. You didn't experience classic easily bruising or bleeding, pain in the bone or joints, and the, the fever or night sweat. I think it's quite a common element of patient stories that, and, and pay, when patients experience these things, to, to write them off sometimes as something more innocuous, something less severe, something more every day. I think sometimes as women, and we're going through different phases of our lives, menopause and things like that, um, I put all them kind of things, because even now I'd still be achy and painy and kind of a bit creaky, but I always just kind of push through them and never really gave much thought to them. I don't think at that time before I was diagnosed that was any worse than it had been in a previous in the previous 12 months or even two years. No, of course. I think there's there's one symptom if I had had as before diagnosis, I would have known. And that's the bruising, because the bruising was the one I always associated with leukemia. So I didn't have any bruises. Not one. And then the next part of your story is you were admitted to A&E and you were there till 5am. It was horrible. Oh, yeah. and it was, was it a Friday night as well? Yes. No. <laughs> Tell me about that. How was that experience? There was a lot of people, yeah, sleeping on the floor and sleeping on chairs. You just sit there and you see people going in before you, even though they've come in after you and... It was, it just, in my head, it didn't make sense. If I'm this ill that I have to come into hospital, why am I sitting here in a waiting room for six hours? If they had said to me, go in first thing in the morning, 
I imagine, yeah, you would have happily have gone home and had a full night's sleep and then come back in the morning. That makes total sense. That must have been a really frustrating night for you there. And then next, you were admitted to oncology, and for the first time, yeah. you heard the word leukemia with regards to your own case and your own symptoms. How was it hearing that for the first time? And was there anyone there with you? Well, my husband was at the hospital, but he had popped out to get a drink. And then the doctor came in and I was thinking, I mean, I'm quite independent anyway, and I don't really like fuss. But he wanted, you know, he wanted, he knew they were coming with the results and he wanted to be there. But he popped to get a drink. And then when he came back, I, I told him the doctor's been and she's confirmed it is leukemia. I never got upset or I never, I never really broke down. Because from the Saturday, I I kept saying, yeah, it probably is leukemia. Because I, I, I said to the doctor, in, you know, in your experience, how likely is it? And she said, I would say absolutely it is likely. And my husband was going, no, no, no. Not, until they do the test and they tell you, it, we're not going there. And I, but I, for me to cope, I had to go there. No, of course. And I think you touched on earlier anyway, your pragmatism for that time yeah. and getting yeah. things done. So it makes complete sense. But what comes along with that news and that shock diagnosis, how did you go about sharing that with friends, family, loved ones? Kind of, How did you go about that task? To be honest, I left it <laughs> to everybody to do it. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I was okay. I was like, I just wanted, right, find out how do we tackle this? Or how do we deal with it? What do we need to do? Everybody else, I think, around me was more traumatized and more upset than I was. And I think sometimes seeing a, a loved one in a situation is harder than being in the situation. So I think it was harder for them than it was for me at that stage. No, I think that's very true. Family and friends can often be in that position where they don't know how or quite sure if they can help and just yeah. want to be there for support and could feel a bit powerless in that moment. Yeah, especially as we were a family who had never experienced any type of cancer in the family and nobody who was really ill unless they were quite elderly. So nobody my age being ill. So it was a completely new experience for them one question we always try and ask on the podcast is if you had to give a piece of advice to someone who was recently diagnosed what would that be well i suppose my way of getting through it is sometimes at the approach of a minute at a time if you're lucky an hour at a time and when you're getting really lucky a day at a time i kind of never think too far ahead and whilst things might be really bad in this precise minute, the next minute could be, you know, it could be a change because, you know, the hospitals were great. Any, I suppose, side effects or symptoms you have, they have some kind of a magic potion to ease that. A great piece of advice there, Magella. Thanks so much for that. And the reason why we're speaking to you today and, we, and why we've been speaking to patients across the month is all in service of the Spot Leukemia campaign. It's Leukemia Cares campaign to raise awareness of the signs and symptoms of leukemia amongst the general public really arming them with that knowledge so that if 
they spot those symptoms, they can more easily recognize and raise them with their GP. And in that instance, hopefully they can be more informed and better able to push for a blood test because getting these blood tests done is really crucial to a diagnosis and an earlier diagnosis can have a, a massive impact on a patient's outcome. People might have heard the, the term leukemia like I did, but they don't understand everything that goes on under that term. So people might have just one fixed idea in their head what leukemia is, like mine was bruises, somebody else might be breathlessness. But we need to know all of the the signs and kind of trust trust in what you think yourself. So if you know there's some I knew there was something wrong, but I didn't think it was something serious. But there was something definitely not right. Um and I always say to people, even before this, always see your GP, always go to your GP. None of us are experts. And and if you don't feel like something is quite right, so if my husband was complaining about something, I well, well tell don't tell me, tell your GP, because that's the expert. And so I had to I had to take my own advice and go and, and get this dealt with and see what it was. And nine times out of ten, it will it will be nothing, but there is that time it will be something. Magella, I wanted to thank you so much for chatting with me today. It's been really a pleasure to chat through your story with you and hear the details of your experience. Thank you so much for today. All right, thanks a lot. Bye. For any more information about our Spot Leukemia campaign, head on over to spotleukemia.org.uk. To hear other patient experiences, be that written, video or in podcast form, head on over to Leukemia Care's website at leukemiacare.org.uk. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leukemia Chatters. For more information and support from Leukemia Care, go to our website, leukemiacare.org.uk or call our helpline on 080 88 010 444. See you next month.